All right, Scatman, let's do this. That's that is not scatting, sir. <laughs> Wild time. Wild time. Peter, what would you do with this beard if you could? I would shave it off and glue it together and stick it on my dog's butt so I could pet it daily. <laughs> All right, come on, Patrick. You got to do it. Wild times. That is, Forrest, you have a beautiful falsetto. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> very in tune. Was that auto-tuned? Oh, it's boy, gorgeous. we are back. Episode six of The Wild Times. I am joined today by Scatmaster, Mr. Patrick DeLuca. What's up, Patrick? Hey, man. I am, uh, I am hot and sweltering. That's why I'm wearing this tank top, and uh, it's just hot as shit in here. Mm-hmm. And of course, as always, Retep spelt forwards is Peter. Peter, how you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, you know what I did today, guys? I um, so I I have a Peloton exercise bike, and I have been sitting in my garage under my neon fluorescent lights exercising. And so I dragged my Peloton out into the sun, which, by the way, they weigh a metric ton, and <laughs> rode the bike for an hour and a half in my boxers in the sun. That's what I did today <laughs> for exercise. Is that why you look like a lobster right now? Yes, that is why I'm so red. <laughs> you you went fishing yesterday, didn't you? I think I picked that up from your social media. I did, yeah. We, uh, we took the boat out to the Channel Islands. It was cold and green and really nice to just spend some time outside. Were there a bunch of boats out there, or was it just like pretty much you guys? It was so busy. Whoa. I I, it's it's I think <laughs> we were making jokes that it's everybody that can afford uh, while they're not working to run boats and go out to the Channel Islands and not plus us because none of us could afford it. We were always like we were all like, all right, you got gas money. <laughs> right. Um, but it was crazy busy out there. We were really surprised how many boats were out at the Channel Islands. Sounds like fun. Did you catch anything? Caught nothing. Absolutely nothing. Didn't pull the trigger. So we were free diving, spear fishing, looking for white sea bass. It's that time of year that they start showing up again and. Um, there was nothing. Water was freezing. It was 60 degrees, green, murky, and nobody saw any game fish. So it was a little bit of a letdown. Yeesh. Hey, Forrest, we got, we actually got a question that I'm curious about you. Are you into fly fishing? Oh, love fly fishing. Big fly fish. I mean, all forms of fishing, really. It's, it's kind of like that same thing of the pursuit of uh, spear fishing or anything else. But love fly fishing. Used to do a ton of it growing up, uh, especially for, you know, big rainbows and things like that. And um, now do more of the spear fishing, but still love fly fishing, especially if I can do it out on the flats in the ocean. Nice. Was that a listener question, Ritep? That w- that was a listener question. Nicholas C. Weston was curious if I liked fly fishing. Yeah, fly fishing. Hmm. I've never done it. Pat, have you? No, it looks really hard. I've heard casting is like pretty much impossible. <laughs> it takes some. <laughs> it takes some time to learn the form, but it is really enjoyable. Did you go fly fishing on the Zambezi River when you were a, a young tot? Uh, I did a little bit i I kind of practice casting there but those are all like big huge tiger fish and stuff that don't i mean you probably could get them on a fly but in zimbabwe where i grew up the fly fishing was really up in Nyanga highlands where we got trout not in the lowlands where the river was and then since coming to the states the thing that i've become obsessed with is fly fishing for bonefish which are these massively powerful fish that hang out on the flats in the ocean Mm. and you sight fish them you see them from like 100 yards away and then you have to stalk them and get close and then you have to present the fly in front of them just right without spooking them and if you hook one they're super strong it's tons of fun nice bonefish is that uh is that good eating the bonefish it's not it's not (laughs) it's a catch and release fish i think it's named for the fact that it is full of bones and nobody (laughs) i think people do eat them actually but it's it's kind of one of those like it's a game fish it should be left in the ocean for people to enjoy and uh it's an ugly looking fish i'll tell you that the bonefish yeah (laughs) 
they got a funny downward facing mouth, which they use for slurping up crustaceans. They're pretty cool looking. Speaking of slurping things, uh, Ratep, how's uh, how's your dating life going in quarantine? <laughs> Obviously, uh, abysmal, man. I uh, I haven't seen another woman aside from the roommate's girlfriend in about two, three months. How long's it been? So, but I've lost track. Yeah, but but at least my facial hair is growing back, so there's that. It is nice. That is good for Much both of us. Now what uh, food item does my face look like with hair on it? A hairy potato. Yeah, just <laughs> now it's just a hairy potato. Yeah, an even worse <laughs> potato. Oh, man, come on. <laughs> well, Forrest, speaking of getting outside into the outdoors, saw a news item I think you might be interested in. Hit me. Did you see the... Uh, Monkey flying the kite. Oh my God, yes. And it's <laughs> so adorable. What the hell? <laughs> nice. Um, I saw that on a rooftop in India, someone caught an actual video of a macaque. I'm pretty sure it was a short tailed macaque sitting on a rooftop flying a kite. Now, I don't mean, <laughs> and you guys saw this. He wasn't like randomly holding the string and a kite was flying. He didn't run over and like be near a person flying a kite. This monkey was actively flying a kite like yeah. a child enjoying <laughs> himself he was like doing complicated maneuvers with said <laughs> kite yeah primates first of all are incredible right they're our closest living relatives and they do undeniably play for fun they also have sex for fun one of the few animals that we know do that as well as human beings and um <laughs> this monkey was having fun with the kite and it's amazing to see you know we only figured out 25 years ago less actually 20 years ago that primates actually use tools in a few places. And here's one, not just using a tool, but using a tool for entertainment value. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> right. It's it's really cute. And then he reels the kite in. Yep. Which, like, that's a pretty complicated understanding of how the spool and, and string are going to work together. Absolutely. And he grabs the kite and takes off with it. Absolutely. It's his kite, man. You know, he's not going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think the monkey was trained or he learned that spontaneously? Because that's like two steps away from being able to fly a plane. It's <laughs> a good question. No, I mean, I I don't know. I'm Possibly from observation, but I would guess just kind of happenstance you know it probably took off in a gust of wind and he was like oh this is fun i i really have no idea how he learned it you know how did the first monkey figure out how to throw a spear to kill a fish i mean yeah. it's it's hard to say but uh it is fascinating and it just goes to show you you know taking dna out of it it goes to show you how close we are to primates like the fact that they're using tools for entertainment and learning as they go it's it's amazing do you yeah, think it's... we've gotten a little desensitized to monkeys doing cool shit not me <laughs> <laughs> not you peter fills up your days no i think we have i mean i think since kind of the jane goodalls of the world exposed that monkeys can speak sign language and that they can use tools for fishing and that they have toys you know in in their dens and in their warrens um or middens rather i think that we have just kind of come to the understanding that monkeys are are this smart and this capable and yet in a lot of places around the world we still kill them for food we Ugh. kill them for a bunch of different reasons and it's kind of bizarre it's like we realize that they're our close relatives we realize that um, they're intelligent. They're, they're smart. Yeah, they're they're super smart, and we know that they have the ability to use tools. We know that we're derived from them as human beings, and yet we still 
treat them as animals and not something that's kind of like, more like a cousin than an animal. Right. It's, it's weird. Right. Yeah, that sucks, man. Yeah. I would love a monkey cousin. A monkey cousin would be great. That'd be a good TV show. Monkey cousin. <laughs> I mean, let's let's just pitch it with just the title tomorrow. Yeah. We'll just tomorrow. send it around. Yeah. Yeah. Monkey cousin. Do you want it's it? Charlie Sheen with a monkey and they just hang out and Charlie Sheen gets fucked up and monkey cousin saves him. Sold. I'm in on that. I'd easily watch that. Dude, staying over in that part of the world, I saw that in Thailand... You, you've been to Thailand, right, Forrest? I have, I have. You, there's a tremendous amount of elephant-based tourism in Thailand. Lots of places that get, you know, where you can go and ride an elephant or other places that are anti-riding um, where you can go and, like, give them their medicine and do all sorts of stuff. But they, because the tourism industry is effectively dead right now, they don't want to feed them. So they're freeing all those captive elephants. Nice. I did see that. And it's kind of a catch-22, right? And let me... Let me go on the record here. Peter, have you ever been to Thailand? Of course not. Okay. It's it's a cool place. You know, I think if you present someone with the idea that for 15 bucks, they can go and ride an elephant and play with an elephant and it kind of smiles and trumpets and, you know, everything's on the surface seems like it's a win-win, of course you're going to do it. Like, why wouldn't you go and enjoy spending time with a happy elephant? But once you take a deep dive into that, you realize that for the most part, these elephants are really mistreated. Like, they spend hours and hours a day with wooden platforms on their back carrying people they get jabbed and 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 kind of poked with sharp sticks and beaten into submission to to behave well and uh i just think our listeners if you don't know this if you see those pictures of your friends on vacation riding an elephant in thailand let them know like that's it's not really a good thing to do you shouldn't be out there riding elephants Um, elephants are really really intelligent too aren't they they are yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they, like they 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 mourn their dead, and they have actual emotions, which makes it even sadder. Very emotional animals, yeah, and and it's it's just it, it's kind of a catch twenty two, though, right? Like, and this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but if we don't have those elephants in Thailand, like, say those elephants that are getting freed now because of coronavirus, right? They're getting let go. Who's going to monitor them now? At what point? Do those animals become pests because they need to come back and they're going to start ravaging crops and stomping through villages? And then at what point do they get put down? Boo. You know, so it... Fucking humans. That's what I was just going to ask you. I mean, I saw, you know, one particular place freed 78 adult elephants. Will they just jump right back into being a wild elephant or is that going to be a weird transition for them? It's a good question. And the answer is no. I mean, these are animals that, you know, probably some of them have been in captivity for 25, 30 years, born in captivity, raised in captivity. They are animals. They will have some instinct to find food and they are intelligent, but they're not, they don't have the experience that an elephant needs to be a wild animal. Furthermore, the habitat you're letting it into probably can't support 70 elephants, right? Like mm-hmm. that 70 elephants is a lot of elephants. You can't just put them in a park. Like they don't just go into, you know, a football field sized arena and go, oh, they'll they'll live happily here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's it's that takes a very vast track of very fertile land that the that the ecosystem can support that many animals. And so my guess would be those animals will like, is it good that they're freed? Of course, like they should be free, but will they become problematic? Will they have to come back and start begging for food? Will they be raiding crops and stomping through villages? Most likely. And will that lead to the possible euthanization of some of these animals? It really could. So it's, it's a really weird kind of catch 22. Like we see the little news clipping. We see the thing that's been floating around social media, that image of the animals crossing the street, the elephants crossing the street, and we all feel good. But the reality is that might not be a good thing. It actually might be worse for the animals than 
a few well-treated animals in captivity would be. When do you guys think that things are going to get back to semi-normal? Like you think when things get back to normal, they're going to go and grab these and continue using them or just pick them up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's a good, good question. I mean, you know, when travel does normalize again, then what? I think Corona has allowed us for a lot of wake ups and realizations to the mistreatment of animals to a, a lot of things. But like you said, then what? There's 70 elephants running around. Are people then going to go trapping them? I mean, that's right. going to be even more emotionally stressful. Imagine being in prison for, for 25 years, and then you're let out for a week, and then you're grabbed and thrown back into prison again. Like, that's way worse than Ooh. never knowing the outside. There's going to be a whole bunch of tourists just tossed by elephants that yeah. first week when they open back up. Yeah, real grumpy elephants, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a that's a weird one. It's, it's like, I'm stoked for those animals if they can survive and do well out on their own and, and, and they're allowed to be you Thailand. I had a great time, man. I was there for about three weeks and then, uh, Forrest and I were in Vietnam. I Southeast Asia is awesome, dude. It's like, that's That's probably my favorite place to travel. Oh, sure. I love the food there. Um, you know, the food in Southeast Asia, the, the Thai dishes and just kind of everything. It's super inexpensive. Like I remember one story, when in 2010, I was traveling through uh, Thailand and then up into Laos, and um, we we pulled into this town, Viang Vien in Laos, and we'd been backpacking and you know we're on a super tight budget, and my girlfriend and I were like, God, let's just splurge, let's get like the nicest place in town and just and just splurge. For sixteen dollars a night, <laughs> nice. we had a king suite with our own swimming pool with um, a, a jacuzzi tub built into the floor that was always hot. They brought you fruit platters. They gave you a massage. It's like, it's crazy luxury for so little money. And then, yeah, and then it's just, be- you know, people are fun and there's a lot to see. The natural beauty is amazing. Like, it's just a cool place. I mean, what did you love? What did you love about Southeast Asia, Patrick? Well, I would say, just while you're on the topic of Laos, so I was, or I think it's called Laos. I don't know. But we went over to Laos uh, on the same trip I went to Thailand And we went to uh, Luang Prabang. Did you make it there? We did, yeah. A hundred percent. If I needed to go on the run from the law because I accidentally (laughs) killed someone in traffic, (laughs) I would go hide out in Luang Prabang, Laos. It is fucking magical, dude. And it's hard to describe why. I think it's just the overall vibe. Nobody gave a shit that you were there as a tourist as opposed to like, you know, like in Bangkok and some other parts of Thailand, like. People are trying to sell you shit. They're, you know, For they're sure. very aware. Oh, yeah. That's the worst uh, anywhere you but go. dude, Laos is just, it's beautiful. There's water, incredible waterfalls everywhere. You just like walk along the river. You'll see a little bamboo bridge that looks very unsafe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've already had a couple drinks because they're everywhere. So you cross it and then you like get to the other side, walk through a little jungle section. And then there's just like a tree house. That's also a bar. Right. Did you do anything crazy there? Just like oh, shit man. that would be totally, I have some stuff. I definitely cannot talk about publicly that I did there. That is pro- <laughs> that probably makes it sound worse than it was, but we went to a town called Vientiane, which uh, was notorious for tubing down the rivers and, it's, uh, it's notorious for tubing down the rivers on a lot of things that you put yeah. in your body. <laughs> Hence the part that I'm not going to talk about publicly. But um, yeah, let's just say that 
I got there on a Tuesday and I woke up on a Thursday with spray painted hands all over my body in some random girl's dress. And that is not a joke. <laughs> Literally two days later, I woke up on a hotel room floor with uh, in, in some girl's dress. Yeah, it was did, nuts. <laughs> didn't you also break your didn't you also break your back in Thailand? In Thailand. Yeah, that was actually only only a few weeks before the last thing I was uh, we were trekking through um, northern Thailand out of Chiang Mai region on this like three-day trek and uh, man I just god I don't even like telling this story I get like kind of it gives me it gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah yeah it's awful but um, what did you do tell the viewers what you did (laughs) we uh, so we came up on this waterfall it's the last day of the trek it was beautiful waterfall and it was a low water year and it was me and like five Australian dudes because that's everyone that travels to Southeast Asia is Australian, by the way, except for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and these guys were like, oh, come on, let's go jump off the waterfall. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's go show off for the girls we're with. So we all climb up there and everybody jumps off the waterfall. It's like, oh, that's cool, whatever. And me being me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to one-up everybody. I'm going to climb up the inside of the waterfall and jump through the curtain of water and like splash out, you know. Um, <laughs> so I like climb up on the inside of this waterfall uh, like spider manning up these super slippery rocks. And I come to a ledge like 25 feet up and uh, I look down and this, there's just this curtain of water and it's breaking on these rocks like 25 feet below me. Yeah, just jump and I'm through like, it. Oh, you'll, you'll hit yeah, the I'm like, Good this idea, smart, smart, smart I'll move. Just, I'll kick off really hard and just jump through it and, you know, appear magically out the other side <laughs> of the curtain of water. Well, um, law of gravity says that I will not do that because I jumped hit this wall of water, and it just shot me straight down onto the rocks. <laughs> I like that you didn't death. account for the power of water. No, yeah, no, no. Force, <laughs> inertia, none of those things were taken into consideration. Forrest, honestly, how many times do you think that you've uh, nearly died in your life? It's got to be like a dozen or two. Probably. That. I mean, I nearly died right after that. <laughs> so when I hit the rocks... I landed on my spine and I went numb from the waist down and I rolled off the rocks and started drowning because I couldn't move my arms or legs. I was completely paralyzed. And uh, my girlfriend at the time jumped in and pulled me out because I was literally like bobbing and going down river. And I just remember seeing like literally it was like a movie scene. I remember seeing these arms come down and grab me and pull me out. And then the guys had to build a bamboo stretcher and carry me out of the jungle. Oh, boy. (laughs) Let me me ask you this. A couple days before I got the feeling back. You fared (laughs) better on naked and afraid naked in the wild than you did drunk and in a waterfall on a vacation. Correct. (laughs) So as a biologist, what think about what you know about animals, evolution, humans or animals. What was it that made you say, I, I got to do this. I got I to gotta be the one who goes up a little higher and jumps through the waterfall and emerges like Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a human peacock. Like I got to show off and, you know, I got I to gotta have the biggest tail and tail is not the word that I'm referring to. And uh, the biggest you know, beard got, in today's yeah, case. Yeah, I, got, I just got to I got to. You know, everybody's doing one thing. I got to do the more extreme thing to be the coolest guy, you know, and clearly show how stupid I am. It's it is typical testosterone fueled stupidity. Yeah. Is that why former guest uh, Alex Graybar hates you so much, even though you're best friends? <laughs> Probably because I always one up him. Speaking of Graber, it's funny. I was in a foul mood when we started the podcast because I had a bunch of work to do. I have a bunch of work to do. And uh, my, my fiance was like, hey, grab a beer. You just have a beer. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to try and still work out. I just opened a beer and uh, Im- immediately feel great. Uh, and so I Excellent. texted her. I was like, yeah, you're right. I had a beer. And she just sent me a gif and said uh, she referenced uh, jungle potatoes. I actually watched a couple clips from your Naked and Afraid episode, and I hadn't seen it before, man. And 
Man, was Alex right. You were a chunky monkey, my friend. Thank you. Peter. What, what, yes. what year was that? Let's that, revisit this again. I know. Was, <laughs> what? Let's no, go through 2013? this a second time. <laughs> I actually, I listened, I listened to all our podcasts because they're hilarious and informative. Yeah. I was actually wondering, we made fun of you at the time, but did you, like, I know you and we were like, yeah, right. I'm sure you put on extra weight, but I, I feel like you did. Oh, you had I to did. have. You've never, yeah. you've known me for nearly 10 years, Patrick. You've never seen me look like that. No. <laughs> no. So what did you do? What was your, what was your regimen for, for packing on weight? I'm always interested to know, like when actors have to gain a bunch of weight for something, what'd you do? Yeah. Well, keep in mind, I only had like 12 or 14 days. So I packed on, I was eating like 10,000 calories a day. Damn. I ordered mass, mass gainer shakes. Oh yeah. Which, Yep. Yeah, literally, they're built to put on fat, and I just I chugged Mass Gainer and ate pizza. And there drank you go. Beer. What a <laughs> gamble, dude! By the way, what a gamble! Considering you found a stockpile of food, and now you're just fat. I mean, that's problematic because you had all these jungle potatoes. <laughs> well, he knew he could lose it. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I saw an interview with uh, Benicio del Toro, who had to gain forty pounds in a short period of time for um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he looked terrible in that. Movie. <laughs> yeah, he gained forty yeah. pounds. But so he did an interview. Um, they asked him how he gained the weight, and he said he started out. I think he had like a month. In the first two weeks, he was just eating a ton of pizza and drinking a lot of beer. Mm-hmm. Nice. And he said it wasn't working fast enough. And so then he switched to pure sugar. He started eating donuts. Ooh. And he just oh, packed okay. on weight. Instantly. Oh God! Yeah, it's pretty man. interesting. Like you know yeah. the the whole like processed sugar thing. It's like wow, sugar really, really does make you a fat fuck very quickly. It really, and you know what's weird about it? If you look at sugar content, it's very low in calories. Like if you look at right. a bag of Skittles, it's like it's like forty calories or whatever. I'm making yeah, that up. Maybe like two hundred and ten. By yeah. the way, I eat Skittles every night. <laughs> <laughs> You would know that. That explains the potato yep. head. <laughs> but it's weird because you're like, oh, there's not that many calories in this. I'm going to eat this. It's just a bag of sugar. And you eat that and you get fat straight away. It's so I, I, saw, I saw an article because I'm always interested in ways that I can cheat my fatness. And uh, apparently... Cheat your fatness? Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to do the work, but I definitely would like to lose the please weight. Please tell me, yeah, Peter, please tell me you're like taking hydroxy cut. And no, like, no, I'm not taking know, water speed anymore. And- not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I learned long ago that diet pills, they might make you skinny, but they also give you heart palpitations and make you think you're going to die. So, um, <laughs> but this one, Forrest, I was interested in. I don't know if you know anything about it, but I saw an article that said basically getting your body very, very cold increases what's called brown fat production and that okay. that helps you burn the bad fat, which is, I suppose is white fat. Interesting. This sounds, this sounds racist. Um, no. <laughs> well, I am definitely <laughs> against both brown and white fat. So there, gotcha. there's some difference. good TED Talks about this. I mean, a lot of people are, are doing this now, basically doing ice baths. Um, okay. Yeah, because you're, basically what happens is you get into the ice bath and your body has to maintain its stasis, right? So it needs to keep your core temperature at, you know, around 98 degrees. Mm. And so to do that, it needs to grab the most readily available energy, which is all of that big fat roll around your stomach and ass, Peter. Hey, F you, man. Come on. (laughs) So, so basically there is a lot, there's a great Ted talk you can find on YouTube. We'll post a link to it on the wildtimespodcast.com. But it's, it's pretty interesting. Like 10 minutes in an ice bath, the guy says, is equivalent to like running six miles. Oh, wow. wow. It also probably feels like being in an ice bath for three hours because it's ice and water and you're just sitting in it. 
you literally work up like 10 seconds at a time. Yeah, so you that start makes with like sense. 10 seconds, then 20, then 30. Right. I saw I saw a published thing. I want to say it was Forbes, but it might have been Time, where they did a review of the most calorically intensive exercises in the world. And the list was crazy. Like some of the stuff on there was nuts. But number one, or rather the thing that everybody that I know got excited about and why it circulated in my circles is number two was free diving in cold water. And it uh, said exactly what you just said. It's, it's, it's an aerobic activity that's taking place while your body is burning calories to just try and stay warm. Is that Any how you lost what, all the jungle potato fat? It definitely was part of it. <laughs> um, any guesses what number one was? That was number two. Keeping in mind the cold thing, any guesses what number one was? Hiking in, in, at the top of Mount Everest. Uh, I, I'm going to say ice climbing. You're both really close. Those are really good. It's uh, chopping wood in the snow was considered the number one. Nice. Very manly. Exercise. A very manly activity. <laughs> I yeah. can get into that. Yeah. Um, sure you could. <laughs> it's interesting though, because when you think about like, you know, MMA fighters and wrestlers, when they cut weight, they go into the sauna yeah, right. Uh, and they ride the bike in the sauna to drip, all, you know, to get all the water weighed out. Right. But it's like, just go into the fridge, man. <laughs> but also that's like temporary, right? The water weight, like you drop water weight and then you drink water and it's straight back. I think this is actually boosting the metabolism. It is. Uh, right. And you're burning fat off your stomach and... Well, and the whole brown fat thing is pretty fascinating. I don't think a lot of people know. I mean, I didn't know about that, but apparently it so helps. So, what burn is it? Can you fat. explain it, or are you too stupid? Wow, <laughs> I am really getting fucking shit on this podcast, aren't I? Dude, you've been making fun of Forrest the whole time. You yeah, have. Man, people true. like that. They message That's me and true. say, "Make fun of Forrest more often." That's just me sending you that message. Oh, so what, Peter? What's the distinction between brown fat and white fat? Nobody knows what you're talking about. I have no clue. That's why we have an expert. <laughs> In brown fat and white fat with us. What is it, Boris? <laughs> you must know. Definitely, definitely not my role as a wildlife biologist is to know <laughs> about fat, just so you know. But I actually, I, that being said, I know a little bit about it. Um, brown fat, it's also known as adoptive or uh, brown tissue, I mean. Um, it's one of the two types of fat. So, right, reach, your st- reach down, grab your stomach, feel yeah. that jelly roll. Brutal. Peter, I'm talking to you. Brutal. Um, that, <laughs> that's white fat, um, and that's unhealthy fat. Brown fat is a fat that is actually used just to heat our body when we're cold um, mm. to produce. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the way it works is like to produce heat. Brown fat cells actually burn energy. So it's, you know, it, then that's why in a cold environment, we don't just freeze over straight away. And uh, the one thing I do know is that you can actually brown your fat. So you can actually do exercise to turn white fat into browner fat or into fat that behaves as brown fat. So that's, that's pretty so th- cool. So yeah, that's what the diving in the freezing water basically is. It's the it's the perfect exercise. Builds brown fat and crushes white. Maybe, except like I know a guy who's literally the world's best free dive spear fisherman whose name rhymes with uh, Dryan Fryers and because uh, <laughs> I don't want to call him out. And uh, – <laughs> Mr. Mr. Dryan or whatever I just said is really chubby, and I don't know why he's such a good freediver. Maybe he's just covered in brown fat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Forrest, we're going to need some brown fat this weekend. We're uh, Peter, you're invited. We're going to, Forrest and I, while you were just going to get your 17th cocktail of the day, yes. uh, <laughs> decided we're going to go on a little social distancing camping trip this weekend. That's right. You should come with. Wow, thank you for inviting me, but no. I follow the rules, guys. Thanks. You guys can go get coronavirus together. We're going to stay at least six feet away from each other. Although I just asked Forrest if I could sleep in his tent with him. So maybe not. <laughs> Don't, yeah. That was, Are you going to bring your dog? Both of you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just dogs are coming. Dogs yeah, are, it's going to be but great. Dude, Forrest, your dog is of dogs. seven in dog years. Will he make it? <laughs> One of our dogs is. My normal <laughs> dog's only six. Like, my our main dog. Oh, your main dog. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I can because I wouldn't make it. I have, I have a couple dogs. <laughs> Speaking of dogs, did you guys see this fantastic news about Norwal the unicorn puppy? Oh, yeah. He's so cute. Norwal. Narwhal, not Norwal. He's Sorry. named after the animal. <laughs> <laughs> named after the I, whale with a tusk. Ah. Yes. Narwhal the, Narwhal the unicorn puppy. Um, Peter, check this oh, out. I'm it is a right puppy. Now. Look at this guy. That has, he has a tail growing out of his forehead. <laughs> it is the, but it's so cute despite the fact that he has a tail growing right between his eyes. It only makes him cuter. Do you guys think it wags? It does, it does not. not wag. I, I, I look. <laughs> Wait, how do this. you guys know it doesn't wag? It's the, it's known. It's it's known. the second line in the article on oh, CNN.com. I just looked at the picture. Okay, all right. <laughs> so what's going on here for us? Yeah, well, it's um. first of all, it's adorable. And if I could have a puppy <laughs> with a tail cute. growing out of his face, I would. Um, but yeah, my understanding is just that, you know, this is a genetic mutation, the same as, you know, sometimes someone gets an extra toe on their foot or, uh, you know, everybody's seen that chick on Instagram with two belly buttons or whatever. It's it's that kind (laughs) of thing. But this is not a functional tail, right? There's no bones protruding out of his forehead that make it wag when he's happy or, or go down when he's sad. This is literally just a fleshy skin appendage that has happened to have grown directly out of his forehead. It's a 10-week-old Dachshund Terrier mix um, who is found shivering in the cold along with his father, uh, who they've named Papa Smurf. Kind of interesting <laughs> that he was with his dad and not his mom. What do you think happened there? That's weird. Yeah, I, I didn't actually know about that part. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe abandoned by the bitch. I mean, it, <laughs> she but... <laughs> might have, maybe she was a crackhead and the dad was like, we got to get out of here, Nowall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so he was a stray puppy. Is that and he was rescued? Is that what's going? Yeah, on? they they found they found him uh, shivering in the cold uh, in somewhere okay. in Missouri, in rural Missouri, and uh, okay. he had frostbite on one paw, but he's recovering from that. Uh, he's ten weeks old. They've already had over fifty applications for his adoption. Not ready right. yet. A little too young. Couple weeks nice. from now. Well, guy's gonna get adopted. But he it's was with news. his papa. Yeah. That's that's cute. I, I'm guessing that, you know, the bitch, the mother, um, that is coming off wrong, but that is you the just like saying pr- appropriate that. term that's, for that's a female dog. The yeah. socially correct I'm version. guessing, yeah, she ran away or, or something happened to her given they were strays, and uh, the, the, the paternal, the dad, ended up taking on the pup for a little bit before they were rescued, which I, they do do. I mean, it's like the exact opposite of the Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal song, Biological Didn't Bother, you know? <laughs> is that a real song yeah it was Shaquille O'Neal put out an, a rap album or, or multiple and one, one of his hit songs was called Biological Didn't Bother amazing <laughs> I did not know that if nice. you can imagine this he he rhymed bother with father in this song I, no, I, I figured as unbelievable <laughs> do Pete, not Peter, believe we need, we need the listeners to see Narwhal the puppy I think this is important so you're we're gonna have to put up a picture of Narwhal, the of puppy, course. on thewildtimes.com, on our social channels. And uh, Everywhere. I'd like, I'd like the, the listeners to tell us whether they would want a puppy with a tail growing out of their, his forehead or not. Speaking of listener feedback, we, uh, it's been great. We really appreciate all the, uh, the comments yeah. and the emails and, and everything. It's, it's making it a lot of fun for us. Yeah. We get a couple questions. I, I'm blown away by the amount that you guys that are listening are writing in and supporting thank us. You. And really, thank you, everyone. Oh, like, man. It's, the, it's, the art? It's, yeah, the artwork. How great is the art? Yeah, it's incredible. People are, yeah, the artwork, the, the 
it just all of it. It's it's been absolutely amazing how much support we're seeing from everybody and how much people are enjoying this podcast. So thank you everyone. Huge really. shout out to at a milk away of life on Instagram who's done three battle royale artworks now. Love you, man or lady. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's it's clearly a, a female, but sure. Uh, yeah, but okay. we did get a couple <laughs> a couple user questions. Uh, Forrest, I, this one's near and dear to my heart because I was with you on this and we had this discussion. Let's do uh, it. The Madagascar Dwarf Hippo episode of Extinct or Alive. Mm-hmm. Had a good time. It was our second time in Madagascar together. That's right. That's cute. We had a pretty good time, minus the uh, shitting of the pants. Um, oh, so much. The, Wait, <laughs> the <what>? Madagascar. <laughs> we all got violently sick, and ah. it was, became a badge of honor. Like which day it was that you were the one who shit your pants that day? It, it <laughs> ran a train through the crew. It oh was the goodness. most whatever that is. Like coronavirus has nothing on how contagious that thing was. <laughs> It was insane, dude. Whatever, it was so bad. Whatever, like, Malagasy bacteria we all obtained. So the question is, the Madagascar Dwarf Hippo episode of ERA, neither you nor Courtney, uh, who was your co- co-scientist in that episode, neither of you were wearing sunscreen and were both very red. As a pale <laughs> Irishman, it made me hurt. <laughs> Are you just used to it from being from Africa? What an astute observation. Um, to... To uh, the listener that submitted that question, you are correct. I never wear sunscreen, and if you are an avid fan of Extinct or Alive, you'll notice I am beat red like 90% of the time. Sounds (laughs) dangerous. No sunscreen. That's crazy, man. Look, hey, here's a theory for you, Peter. Stick this one in your back pocket. Okay. Skin cancer only came around after the invention of sunscreen. Wow. Did not know. True story. Didn't know Only because of the timeline and not because of the creation of... Of, of a sunscreen, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so your position is definitely that sunscreen causes skin cancer then? It, it's not, but I do not. <laughs> well, you never know, but I don't wear sunscreen. I don't I don't like it. I do have African skin. I'm usually pretty tan or pretty dark, but I hate the feeling of being covered in greasy sunscreen. Won't do it. Understand. I am also not nearly as fair as Courtney, who looked like she was being cooked alive and she was so lathered in sunscreen the entire time she was yeah there was nothing she could do out there like she was she was dead yeah and and let's be clear like the the southern malagasy sun where we were is it's hard to explain how harsh it is right you you step into it and you can kind of like feel your skin drying out and cracking because of the heat that it puts off i mean the radiation from it is insane it is terrible yeah i mean like even in california versus chicago midwest area the sun out here if you're out there for like 30 minutes you get just fried i couldn't even imagine down yonder we can tell based on your complexion that you cannot imagine (laughs) i have not been outside in two months because i am a a rule follower and will not go yeah. camping this weekend with you two rule breakers. Your <laughs> face is so white. I mean, it's like see-through. You look like a newborn fish. Like I can see inside. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. Thank you. The first one I've received in five podcasts. Six. Here's another listener question, Forrest. Has Forrest ever thought about calling himself the wildlife broologist? Oh boy, Peter screenshot this uh, <laughs> question that came in and sent it to me at 4:40 a.m. and and by 4:41 a.m. 
my profile had been updated online to wildlife bro. Oh, did you? Uh, did you really? No, I didn't. Oh, but I want should. to because yeah, it's so should. good. Definitely. Yeah, whoever thought that up, that is amazing. Wildlife broologist is freaking <laughs> awesome. And, and the it's great, the best thing about being a wildlife broologist is it takes no credentials. Like you don't have to go to school for a many many years. You can be a broologist just off the bat. Uh, oh, you, yeah. you need to do essentially nothing but be a bro and chug some brewskis. That's right. It's amazing. Yeah. No, that is God. That. That is the sharpest thing that I have seen come across my desk in a very long time. It's funny you mentioned that for us because I've known Peter a lot longer than you have, and I'm very used to the 5 o'clock a.m., 6 o'clock a.m., a lot of times 10 a.m. when I'm already up for the next day, uh, barrage of texts. Uh-huh. For you, it's kind of new. Have you adapted and started doing Do Not Disturb when you go to bed? Yes. Yeah. My phone, because of Peter alone, goes on silent when I go to bed. <laughs> That's and, because uh, I'm a go-getter. Just because I'm talking about the podcast, all these people are sending stuff. Somebody texted me at 2 a.m. on Monday. Hey, where's the new podcast? I'm still editing it. It's nocturnal. 2 in the morning. I am nocturnal. You are nocturnal. That's yeah, right. I'm just you, a harder worker than you when it comes to technology things. Did you really get a 2 a.m. message saying, hey, is the podcast up yet? Swear to God, on Instagram. Right. Two <laughs> two hours into the day on Monday, you mean, right? Yeah. 2 a.m. Sunday night, technically. By the way, when I was furiously editing, editing your complete fuck up, Patrick, sorry. Unplugged the mic mid-podcast. <laughs> Unbelievable. Any retort to that? I unplugged my mic accidentally. It, was, it wasn't it was, an accident. It was a mistake. I... Uh, I'm very ashamed. It was an Good. embarrassment. I'm glad. You should be ashamed. Peter, should we get him off the podcast? Like, are we done with him? Now nah, we need him. Unfortunately, we need him. <laughs> Speaking of needing Patrick, I'm gonna flip I'm gonna flip our podcast on its head for a moment here. Oh, are you yes. guys ready for this? Yes. Right? I'm always the guy under the spotlight here being like, hey, scientist guy, here's a question for you. Well, Patrick, how many how many hours of television of ghost programming have you say that you've made? Oh, man. A, a couple hundred hours for sure. If not, th- probably close to 300. 300 hours of ghost programming. Yeah, a lot of, ep- okay. I mean, a lot of episodes of a lot of different fucking ghost shows. <laughs> Let me riddle you this then, because this is not my forte whatsoever. In Indonesia, the government locked some violators of coming out during the quarantine into a quote-unquote haunted house for two weeks no! as punishment. <laughs> this is a real thing. Nice. That's why we have a constitution in the U.S. That sounds like <laughs> cruel and unusual. Thank you, Indonesia. Let's keep in mind, this is on the governmental level. This is an Indonesian politician that decided to scare rule breakers straight by locking them in a haunted house. I is love this- him. Wish he was our yeah. president. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I want to... I just, Patrick, take take us away on this. Like, as as our resident ghost expert, what haunted houses work? is this? Are they is real? This a known, yeah, is this a known strategy? <laughs> well, is this going to well, work? So, so, I think I would start by saying, look, it's a great strategy because I don't know what the stats are in Indonesia, but in the U.S., more than half of adults believe in ghosts, right? I think it's something like fifty two percent. Stanford weirdly did a study uh, a few years ago about it. Real um, research on that shit. So, if you believe in ghosts and your punishment for breaking quarantine is to be locked into a whatever has been built up as the most haunted house in that area. Uh, I could see that being quite effective. For sure. You know, having been, you know, earlier in my career, I used to, to work on the types of shows where a team goes in and investigates a haunted location and you, you talk to the homeowner and they tell you all the stories and they're very convinced and very terrified the home they live in is haunted. Um I really, I remember really specifically going to this huge old, like 150 year old stone mansion uh, in Pennsylvania. 
And it was confirmed, we knew going in, that a young girl that had gone missing in the neighborhood had been uh, kept in that house, locked in a bedroom, and eventually killed by a mentally unwell man like 30 years before. So the guy and his kids who we'd interviewed uh, had said, there's this one hallway, there's a door at the end of it, Nobody goes anywhere near it. They've all heard voices. They've heard crying. They've seen the ghost of a little girl, whatever. So I remember I went into the room because I was trying to figure out how we wanted to light it. And I realized everyone had left the room and I was in there all by myself. And I started thinking to myself, like, is this weird? Is there a weird energy in this room? And I started to feel like, oh my God, there is something weird. This feels heavy. This, this, it was like getting on top of me a little bit. Somebody called me over the walkie-talkie to ask a question like, you know, how many light stands do we need? What lights do you want? Whatever. So I get into this very technical conversation for about 30 seconds. It snapped me out of it. And I was like, oh, there's nothing weird about this room. So totally placebo effect. It was, you were 100%. talking yourself. Out of all those stories though, I mean, hundreds of hours of investigating this stuff and being on set and seeing and hearing all these people's stories and actually watching the footage, is the verdict that it's all bullshit or that there might actually be something? I probably more than anyone in the world want ghosts to be real. Like yeah. it would be so great to yeah. be like, holy shit, there's I've just witnessed proof of an afterlife. How fantastic would that be? (laughs) Truthfully, uh, whenever I filmed the show, any of the shows, I've never seen, heard, felt anything that made me say, oh, I believe in ghosts. I mean, I've personally had two experiences outside of that that I would classify under the I can't explain them. Have you guys ever had sort of a, a paranormal experience of any kind? I've had one thing that I would consider to be unexplainable. Now, as a scientist, it's so hard for me to to use the word paranormal and like it just goes against everything that like I'm kind of a <laughs> study and believe in. But I've had one instance in Africa as a young boy. Let's get into it. Ah, I actually two and I'll I'll tell you one very very briefly that I thought was interesting. We were in uh, the Amazon uh, circa like 2009 and our little Indian guide who like native Amazonian Indian was like, Oh, you know, I had a dream last night of a woman in a white dress, which means we're going to see a big snake and it's going to rain today. Okay. And it was like 85 <laughs> degrees out and sunny. And so that's sort of and a tribal belief. If, if you see a woman in a white dress, that's what it means. That's what, that's what he said. And we literally, we'd been there for like three days and it had rained a little bit on and off, but like no downpours or anything like that. And uh, it was like 85 degrees, blaring sun, and we hadn't seen a single anaconda in a week and a half of an expedition. So we're like, all right, his name was Fausto. We're like, sure, Fausto. I kid you not, an hour later, we found a 20-foot-long anaconda, and two hours after that, it started raining and didn't stop for a day and a half. Wow. Yeah. And nothing nothing about the way that day started would have indicated today's a good snake day or uh, it looks like it's going to rain. It was exactly the same as the prior six days had been and the following four or five were. Like literally, it was exactly, we went to the same areas where we were hunting for for reptiles and did the same hikes and everything else. Like none of it made sense. Wow, that's cool. What's the other one? So the other one, when I was a little kid, there was a witch doctor on our farm. So I grew up on a farm in Zimbabwe. We had 200 workers and there was a witch doctor and they're very, very spiritual and they believed um, very much in... Uh, well, just all the lore that was surrounding witch doctors. And I, I kind of speak on Shauna culture and what their exact religious beliefs were, but certainly actual witch doctor medicine. And when I was a little boy, I was <laughs> basically told that I needed to learn from my ancestors. And then I remember vividly, and I, to this day, I don't remember whether it was a dream or whether it was real, but mm-hmm. I remember going out on the balcony 
on our second story of our home and looking up at the sky and seeing an old man in the sky start talking to me. And I froze in fear and fell down and I couldn't even speak. I was so terrified. And this man told me basically, it, it was almost like he didn't speak, but I knew what he was saying. And that was that um, I needed to kind of shape up and stop being such a brat, basically. <laughs> and, didn't um, stick though, did it? Obviously not. But the weird thing was like, to this day, as an adult, I was very young. I mean, I must have been seven or eight years old. I still don't know whether that was real or if it was a dream. Like, I don't remember if it ha- I know it happened at night. I don't remember if I put my head down on the pillow that night. I don't right. remember if I woke up that morning or if. If I went out there after having dinner, I don't remember any part of it except how vivid this this kind of figure appearing in the sky was that night. Whoa. How, how old were you, would you think? Uh, I, I guess with like eight or nine. Okay. I mean, that's old enough to kind of know what's going on, though. I mean, you know the difference typically between something you really saw or something you didn't. Yeah, but it's so long ago. I mean, I that's know. what I mean. And as a scientist, like, supernaturals, like, you know, I can I rationalize all that stuff, right? Like, in the Amazon, <laughs> it rains hard. You know, that's not it's not a miracle that it rained. Uh, we know there's anacondas there. We were out looking for them. It's not a miracle. We found them. You know, I was eight years old. I probably had a nightmare. You know, I rationalize right. it all. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, what were yours? There's been two, but the, the most recent one, I think, is the more interesting. I was sitting out uh, on my porch. I used to live in uh, Beechwood Canyon in a house with a bunch of stand-up comedians. Uh, it was called The Compound because... Nobody had a key. Nobody even knew who lived there. It was just sort of this amorphous <laughs> shit show of transient comedians who lived in this house in L.A. Uh, so I was sitting out on the uh, out on the porch with a, a couple friends, and my friend Nick was talking about. We were having this exact conversation, and he was talking about uh, a weird thing that happened when his father died, um, or be- just before his father died, and how. Uh, it was just telling this whole long story about his father looking around the room and seeing, saying, you don't see the angels. And it was very strange. And as he's telling the story right next to the porch is the driveway. And all of a sudden heavy metal music just starts blasting out of one of the cars. Like as he's telling the story about his father, just all of a sudden, like this Metallica song is playing full volume out of one of the cars. That's right next to the porch startles the shit out of everyone. Wow. Shit. So we all talk about it for a second. We go over, it's my buddy Owen's car, and we all go over to the car, and there's no key in the ignition. He's like, I, I've never listened to a heavy metal station, uh, and it just is blasting heavy metal music with no key in the ignition, the radio's on. That's nuts. We can't get it, to, you know, we could turn the volume down, but we can't get it to turn off. He goes in, gets the key, turns it, turns it back, it, it goes off. Uh, now that's fucking paranormal right there because the, that's the timing an of it was thing. so fucking weird. The one thing I would say it was it was a pretty old used car, so like it wasn't like it was like a brand new BMW, but right. the timing and just the way that it happened was so bizarre that easy to say coincidence, but also easy if you were there to say. Ah, there's something weird going on there. That's the thing. And Peter, Peter, I want to ask you before I start justifying it as a scientist. Have you ever had any weird? Um, supernatural type things that you want to talk about? Very, very insane on mushrooms one time. Violent anxiety, black demon blob took over my body and my soul. Uh, I was camping in the mountains of Arizona at a place called Ten High. And uh, it was unbelievable. Thought I was done forever for life. I thought I was just never coming back. Considered 
jumping into the Grand Canyon. Um, cause that's, <laughs> but uh, not, not sober. Right? No, not that I can remember anyway. <laughs> I mean, look, we can, I think we should definitely uh, get into the whole mushroom thing on, a, on another podcast because we need to take a deep dive there. Yeah. I love it. I'd like to hear a lot about your drug trips, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no problem talking about that. <laughs> you know, I think at the end of the day, the thing about quote unquote supernaturals, you can interpret it any way you like, right? Things happen. They are coincidences. My dream, that car turning on, mm-hmm. you know, could there be a coincidence? Absolutely. Could the car be all totally? Could I have just been a kid imagining things? Yeah. Could Fausto, the Indian guide, have just got lucky 100%? And it's up to the individual to interpret it. Or you can believe that there's supernatural forces that are creating all of those things. And, and you know, I think, it's up to, I think it's up to you and your beliefs and how you want to see that. And my beliefs are always pretty much that there's no supernatural entity. Sure. Always rational. I mean, me too. But I think also if we look at... You know, we didn't even understand the germ theory of, of science for, you know, until 100 years ago. Right, you know, some, right. A lot of people who are listening, their grandparents were alive when yeah. they figured out that, that viruses and bacteria existed rather than right. just, you know. We didn't know uh, 125 years ago that flies were just attracted to meat. We thought they came out of the meat. Oh, my um, God. I've heard that one before. So I think to think that if humans were to continue on in their current form for another million years— when we look back at what we know about the universe today, we are such prim- we're, we're going to be laughed at like we were ants. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, we're sure I like ignoramuses. To, I like to keep the door open for strange things. You know, I think about this a lot. Would you guys ever have a dream where you dream about someone you haven't talked to in quite some time, and then you either wake up to a voicemail from them or they call you that next day? Yeah, yeah I've had that kind of thing. I've had that, that happens a lot. Like that happened. That's probably happened to me twenty times. Mm. Like more than it should, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. More than coincidentally. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah, some kind of energy or something that, yeah, it is weird. I'll tell you who is already looking at us like we're a primitive species and like we don't know anything. Are these three aliens that were caught on film? The three <laughs> definite is, aliens is it, is that it were caught Is it three aliens because film? it's three videos? So you've instantly <laughs> yeah. made it three aliens? <laughs> it's three separate little green fellas. Yes. Now, yeah. Not possibly <laughs> one. Released by the Navy <laughs> of all entities. <laughs> the Pentagon declassified some files. Yeah, man. I this is that. crazy talk right here. So you guys have all seen them, yeah? I've seen them. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere man this is blowing up they're getting close to disclosure it's kind of big news it's big news it's always cool when the pentagon just gives us a little kernel you know yep nice. <laughs> yep <laughs> so what'd you guys think of the videos i'm gonna go i'm gonna go hard conspiracy theorist in a minute here which is not my typical role right <laughs> but let's dig into them first before i go into why i think we have access to them now the video that i found the most interesting i mean they're all great so the, the pentagon declassified three videos taken by the navy uh over the course of several years that appear to show UFOs. They have mm-hmm. audio, so it's obvious that the, the Navy pilots who were filming them had no idea what these crafts were, and they certainly were out of their realm of what they accepted as the laws of physics, essentially. Yeah. Um, I really... Do you guys see the one where the video... It, it's a 40 to 50 foot uh, long object that's flying along the water, the surface of the water. 120 knots, they're estimating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super fast. flying along the water... Um, they're struggling to get it on their locked in on their like missile guidance screen because they were looking yeah. at shooting this fucking thing down. Um, it's flying. It's making crazy moves that they don't understand. And you can hear the guys. It basically sounds like a bunch of Alex Grabers. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> talking about this thing. They don't know what the fuck they're looking at. Because it defies the laws of physics. And, and they're confused in the moment, you know? It's the turns that they're making. Yeah. Because they're yeah, moving when it starts side to rotating. side quick. Mm-hmm. Immediate oh, yeah. stops. Like if you did that going 200 miles an hour, you would you would die. You would be smashed into the windshield and die. We need to get Bob Lazar on this podcast. Yes. Peter, can you line that up? We need to get yeah. Bob Lazar yeah. to tell us what's going on every day. in these videos. <laughs> How, how they're bending time and space around these objects so that they move in such an erratic way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. does it pique your interest, Forrest? I mean, you know, thinking scientifically, right. space is a pretty big place. There's a lot of suns, a lot of stars, a lot of planets. Oh, look, do aliens exist? Absolutely. Yes. You know, it, it is. Yes. It, it is uh, yeah, of course they do. It's a ma- Are they little green men in flying ships? That I'm less certain about. Yes. But yes. It is a. It is, <laughs> Peter. I know you're certain about it. Um, it is a. It is a statistical improbability to say anything other than than aliens exist. I mean, there are billions of solar systems. You know, trillions of stars. All of which, you know, all it takes is the same exact thing that happened here on Earth with with regards to temperature and condition and Big Bang to create life. And that doesn't mean, you know, if you're on an island out in the middle of the ocean and you've never seen anything but your island and you don't have a canoe, that doesn't, you know, wh- wh- why is there not another island? Right, Do you know what I mean? Course. Yeah. And, and just because you, even if you have that canoe, and the other island is 200 miles away, you're never going to get to that island. Yeah. You know, like you're going to die before you get to that island. And that's, to me, that's what space is for the most part. Now, I want to circle back to our UFOs here, but there are there other planets with life on it? Without a doubt. Are we able to take our canoe in this day and age and get to those planets? I don't think so. We don't no. have the technology for that. Now, on those other planets... Is there advanced life that has built a speedboat? Right. Right. Are Maybe. they visiting us you know. is the real question to posit. Yeah, I mean, and they for might me, just be a million years ahead of us in totally, evolution. You know, totally. And they, they may be humanoid. They may be completely different. We have no idea. And I think, you know, when UFO stands for unidentified flying object, right? And that's exactly what those are. They are unidentified. It doesn't mean that they are from out of space. It doesn't, we have no idea what they are. They, it could be a comet that's rocketing through our solar system. I mean, who mm, knows? Not a comet. It could be Peter's flying whale that's breathing fire with its <laughs> dragon wings that can move 150 miles an hour. Like yep, we, yep. And, and so to ask me as a scientist, does it interest me? Of course, anything biological that's unidentified is fascinating. I would love to identify it. Now, that is not my field, and I know nothing about it or even how to begin to track something like that down, but boy, would it be cool to figure out what it is. It's interesting, though, to think, okay, you know, just the way that we think about distance and travel, right? You can only go Mm -hmm. a certain speed, even in space. You know, I think it's a a nine or ten month one-way trip for us to even get to Mars, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What we know of life on Earth, everything is carbon-based. Carbon is one of the elements that has an extremely short half-life as compared to a metal mm-hmm. or something like that. Carbon degrades very quickly. Mm-hmm. So to think that something would have come from another solar system, either they've figured out a way to travel thousands and thousands of times faster than anything we can conceive of, or sure. their life form would have to be based out of something other than carbon, theoretically, right? Right. Something, I mean, are you Michael Bay? Because you just described Transformers, right? You're made out of metal, <laughs> there you but go. you're an or- organic... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you're you're an organic organism, and uh, and you you know can travel through space at, at rapid speeds and live forever. 
And I totally like what's to say that there aren't metallic creatures. I mean, it might not be metal as we know it, rigid, lifeless metal. But what's to say that there isn't something composed of the same shit that our refrigerator is made out of to some degree that's alive somewhere else? What would it do to society if, okay, Pentagon video is cool. They're they're interesting. They're mysterious. Like in front of everybody at the gay pride parade in West Hollywood, uh, a (laughs) fucking flying saucer lands and a bunch of little green men came out and did the robot. Well, we've what? all seen like, Mars attacks, so that's exactly what would happen. We'd be like, yeah, we'll come I, in I, peace, and they and to them, peace, the word peace means war, and then they just kill everybody, obviously. Oh, interesting. No, but obviously. do you think realistically, like, would society degrade? Would it bring us together? Would people stop being religious and believing in God? Like, what no. do you think would happen? No, absolutely not, dude. Look at coronavirus. People are more, it's been politicized so hard that people are more divided than ever, and it has nothing to do with politics. Are you kidding me? This would be the biggest division in the history of humanity if this happened, in my opinion. It would be it would be interesting because it would flip Christianity and I think most religions for that matter on its head, right? That says that, creationism and and so that I mean that's the that's the foundation for war, is it not? To like tell someone their religion is wrong. Isn't right. that mm-hmm. basically the foundation for war? And I, I have to imagine, as much as I hate to ever agree with Peter on literally That's anything, right. Right. that he is right Just in this it. situation. Right. Love it. Yeah, I think he's right. <laughs> I think it would be scary. I think it'd be scary. And and that that actually brings me back to what I was going to mention earlier. Is I think the reason that it's funny. I, God, I'm not a big into the conspiracy theories, but why now is the Pentagon releasing UFO videos? Is there anything mm. else topical going on in the world that maybe we could use a little distraction from and maybe take our uh, yeah, our eyes off of, of the government? No, anything I you guys can think, think of? think of a thing. No. Nothing. No. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, government's doing a good job and, you know, let's let's just focus on that. At all levels. At all levels. At all. We're not we are not <laughs> shitting on Trump by any means. We are just all disappointed in leaders of all parties and state, local, and federal. Thanks, China. <laughs> you know what time it is, guys? I know what time it is. I think it's time for the Battle Royale. What? Battle Royale. Dun, 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 dun. I had no idea. Battle Royale. So, on our topic of aliens, extraterrestrials, UFOs, things stranded in the middle of uh, haunted houses and elsewhere, <laughs> we are going to create for Battle Royale our perfect survival animal. Oh so, boy. let me... Let me paint you a picture here, gentlemen. You are stuck on an island, deserted island, out in the middle of the ocean, and you have to put together three parts of an animal to create the perfect survival buddy, an animal that will aid you in your survival on that island. Peter, take us away. Ah, man, this is a tough one, and I got to go first, but advantages, you guys can't use any of my animal parts. So I'm going to start off with the body of a cheetah all right we're gonna go with the body wow. of a cheetah okay okay any any reason or just because you like of them? course there's a reason of course there's a reason the reason is that cheetahs are a big cat and cats are amazing and fun and cuddly survivalism wise he would be super fucking fast and when i say okay. body i mean the legs and body of a cheetah so which sure. helps you on an island because because they'll be hunting obviously dumb dumb obviously um okay. <laughs> cheetahs do bring things back to their sort of trees and dens right or trying yeah to yeah that's help. fine okay i get it i get it great great speed advantage all right it would have the head 
of Patrick DeLuca because he's a good friend and I'd like to have him there for companionship. <laughs> That's the right call. Does it also have my brain or just my head? No, no. It has the brain, the vocal cords, everything because you're, you're, I mean, I hate to admit it, but you're kind of smart. So I feel like you could help. <laughs> good call vote for Peter. <laughs> you know? This is a bet. This is a better cre- creation of Patrick. This is a better Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> and it is going That's to have shit. the hind quarter area of Forrest's beard. Just because I kind of want to pet it. Wow. That's it. I I definitely thought you were going to say the hind quarter of like Jennifer Lopez or yeah. Kim Kardashian. Oh my goodness. What kind yeah. of go sick? A word I would other not be pets. having sex with my creation. So you've wow. created a very fast, sarcastic <laughs> hunter that yes. has now been stripped of its sharp fangs. So I have to try and bite things with my human teeth. Uh, and then it just has something you can touch to get rid of your anxiety on its buttock. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good move. It's good. Right. It's good. Wow. A lot of thought went into this one, huh, Peter? Yeah. I've been thinking about this <laughs> yeah. for years. Uh, All right. I'll, I'll go. Oh, okay. What have you got there, there, Mr. If Biology? You take mine, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm Mr. Gonna go Biologist. <laughs> I'm going to go so that Patrick can't steal the best things. Oh, you fuck. Uh, There's one thing that if you take, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Fucker. Okay, let's see. I'm hoping it is. I am going to go. God, mine is so much more logical than yours, Peter. No, it's not. Body of a dolphin. Because who doesn't want a dolphin when you're stuck on an island who can go out and hunt fish for you? Mm, Interesting. Body of a dolphin. All right. Okay. Stay with me now. My but head. this dolphin has <laughs> the udder of a cow so that I can milk it oh, for God. nourishment. Now, does it yeah. have the mammary glands as well or no? I think so. Yeah, just okay. a big just a big floppy what? udder hanging off this, <laughs> I, this large this gray dolphin. Ridic- but you got to, it needs to, you're going to have to provide Sharks sustenance. that udder, boy. It's going to, yeah. what do you want milk? You need water. God, carry okay, on. I can, I can survive. I, I'm good on water guy who chose my beard for the rear end of a cheetah. <laughs> Nine okay. quarters. And finally, finally, I will give this for some added nourishment value: the reproductive organs of a chicken, so oh, that I can get smart. eggs from my milk Ooh, dolphin. That is smart. So yep, you're basically is... making a cheddar cheese omelet every yeah. morning. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, fish, <laughs> eggs, and milk. That's yeah. That you built an animal. Yeah, the the conversation will not be great, and the cuddle the cuddle value will <laughs> also not be great. I like I like how Forrest went straight survival, whereas Peter was like entertainment, something right. to to just play with with his hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something he's been he naked and afraid. I... Is a TV an animal? <laughs> no, neither is Netflix. Uh, what have you got, Pat? All right, so I'm going to start with the hump of a camel. Okay, because all right, all right. I need. I, unlike Forrest, am not a hundred percent confident in my ability to procure fresh drinking water. Okay, um, but how are you going to get it out of the hump? Are you going to have the hump on your own body? Are you going to kill the camel? I'll just get I, it. I I'll just get it the way. I'll just, I'll tap in with some sharp tools and a straw. This, so I'm going to okay. use the camel's ability to keep water <laughs> in their hump, uh, which is going to help me a lot. Zero so far. I may change my the head of my animal after this. You can't. You can't. It's too late. You've already gone. <laughs> um, Bad brain. <laughs> I'm then going to give it the the brain and body. Of Bobby Flay. <laughs> Again, <laughs> it's a Bobby Flay. <laughs> because he's really good. If you've ever been to his restaurants, he cooks just some great <laughs> meals. With his uh, he's camel pretty hoops. witty. Right, right. Yeah, he's he's pretty funny. It'll it'll keep company and he's gonna be making great meals with whatever we able we're able to get from the ground. Sure. And so to do that, 
I'm mm. going to take the scent glands. Oh boy. Of, of a wild boar. Ooh. Because I like me some truffle. Bobby Flay the truffle pig. The <laughs> yeah. camely truffle pig. What yeah. the fuck <laughs> is happening? I'm having gourmet truffle infused meals with all Bobby. the water I need to hydrate myself and having a laugh a minute with Bobby Flay. All right. Yeah. I, I, it's understandable. I mean, that's ludicrous. My animal is more reasonable, like reality speaking, because I'm still curious how you're going to get the water out of this camel's hump. I'll just cut the hump off when I'm really thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love how Forrest is going to be having milk, eggs, just like living it up every fish. morning, fish. I'm also going to be the first one to go insane because I'm the only one who didn't pick a human characteristic for a companion. So, yeah, exactly. while I'm diddling myself and talking to rocks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward, uh, hopefully, a milk away of life uh, does some drawings of these creatures, which we do post on the Wild Times podcast and our Instagram. Yeah, because. Uh, yeah. I've clearly won this one, so vote for me on Interesting. The, vote for me on iTunes because mine was the best, obviously. Forrest's beard as the hindquarters? Come <laughs> on. I can pet it. I can squeeze it. And I'm talking about the beard in the condition it's in right now. It's like a six-month-old beard right now. There's a little gray in there. Well, it's quirky. However long quarantine has been, it is getting real bushy. But <laughs> to Patrick's point... If you do like our uh, Battle Royale creatures, please do draw them and we will post them. But more importantly, go and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Uh, help us out. The podcast is going so well. People are loving it. And if you do, a randomly picked winner, who votes for me and not the other two, nope. um, <laughs> will uh, <laughs> a randomly picked winner will win a brand new set of electric sunglasses. They are dope polarized sunglasses made in Southern California. They're really sweet. They're sponsoring the podcast. Good couple hundred dollar value for a sweet pair of shades. Make men's and women's. Go and leave us a review. Well, that brings us to uh, our giveaway. We've promised you this. And Forrest, I believe, uh, what is it? The hex suit this week? It is a hex suit, Patrick. The absolutely awesome suit that blocks your body's naturally occurring electrical energy signal. Get you closer to wildlife. Have a more intimate interaction in the outdoors. Catch that squirrel that's been bothering you. That's right. <laughs> uh, you can walk right up to it. Um, and so the winner... <laughs> Boom. Hedge Chuck. Whoever you are, all you have to do Hedgechuck. is contact us on social media at Wild Times Pod on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or email us at contact at the Wild Times Podcast.com to claim your prize. And, wow, uh, that, what did Hedge Chuck say about us? This is a very promising new podcast from some great guys oh, yeah. who you can tell are real life friends and have a passion for animals and nature. I'm just getting into it, but I'd like to throw my belated support behind the bat. Woo! And with That's regards to episode three, I'll vote for the elephant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right, boy. Uh, right. I paused because I was like, ah, should I just change it? I don't want to give Peter credit <laughs> yeah. for anything I, here. I heard you pause, dude. You would never do such a thing. You're a, a factual <laughs> man, a biologist. You don't want to do that. Um, the bat wins. Well, good for Hedge Chuck. Got the hex suit. We still have a bunch of prizes to give away. Really, it's just Forrest's awesome sponsors uh, helping us out. 
Love the comments. Let's make it a community. We are going to get into all sorts of uh, additional shit. The podcast is just the start. So become part of it, man. Hit us up. Social media, right? Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What's our uh, What's our handles, Peter? Because I don't know how it works. At Wild Times Pod on everything. Because I'm a smart guy. Made it all the same. At Wild Times Pod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Hit us up. Message us. I pass this to the guys. Anything you send us. We'll fucking love it. We will love it. Yeah, it's great. We we love having people reach out to us, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some of our listeners on the podcast. I mean, there's just so much stuff. It's fun having you guys involved. A lot of the comments that we're seeing say that it's like being in the room with us, and that's that's the goal here, guys. Like, if you're enjoying the podcast, if you like the topics that we're talking about, we love hearing from you just as much as you guys enjoy tuning into the podcast. So, thank you very much. I prefer hearing from fans rather than hearing from you two. So, keep it up. Thanks. Uh, by the way, I'm excited for us to all be in the same room together one day. One day. <laughs> These <laughs> one days. Day. Me too. When it, where it all started, when we were, could all get in one room together and record a podcast and not have to do it over Zoom. <laughs> just to smell each other's musk. <laughs> to touch that uh, beard, for Christ's sake. Yeah, you know, God. <laughs> the, the day that the quarantines are lifted, this beard is getting a trim again. No! This is this is a quarantine beard, Peter. Clearly, Peter wants to fondel. <laughs> yeah. Peter, what would you do with this beard if you could? I would shave it off and glue it together and stick it on my dog's butt so I could pet it daily. <laughs> I just don't think petting it is what you do with it. What would you do with it, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fucking confused by everything that's going on right now because I paid $84 today to get my dog a haircut, wow. and yet I'm unable to procure a haircut by myself. <laughs> uh, my hair is ridiculous. Uh, it's a bouffant. Yes. I don't feel good knowing that it's up on top of my face. Um, I'm really not myself these days, and I'm just growing it out. Forrest, I did, I'm actually taking your advice. You told me don't shampoo every day when your hair gets long. You got to let the oils manifest. Let it get oily so you can just go full Einstein hair. Let me see your hair. What what do you got going up top right now? Oh, here we go. Oh, boy. It's getting... Oh, yeah. It's getting real long. Hold on. Damn, that's a... Let me get a look at this. That's a lion's mane, sir. Yeah, that is... That's like... That's like back to the uh, back to the premiere party length. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're really starting to look like an animal. That's for sure. Very feral. Like a very homeless animal. Very how many feral. days a week? How many days a week do you shampoo it? Uh, probably like once ish. Okay. I just use soap. I'm just head to toe soap. <laughs> Bar soap. Bar soap. Yeah. Yeah. This guy has the skin of Irish an armadillo. Spring. Yeah. <laughs> Bar soap. No. No sunscreen. No lotion, for yeah, God's sakes. You're- never. Literally never in my life. Yeah. For, you- for, for all the lovely, crunchy granola chicks that like to hit me up on Instagram and tell me how freaking awesome and hot I am, I, I'm a mess. Like, I, there is very little grooming that goes into this, so just give up. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't put uh, moisturizing lotion on your, your penis every day? Literally <laughs> Literally never. Is this a daily thing for you? Dude, you should just... <laughs> I'm worried about you. Your your penis probably feels like cat tongue. <laughs> it's my, my penis is mostly cat tongue. That is correct. <laughs> well, this has been lovely. Uh, Forrest, you know, maybe we'll go camping this weekend. It sounds like we sure are going to. We will yeah. stay six feet away from Rule each breakers. other. We will be safe. We will until we get really drunk and start sharing liquor. <laughs> and kisses. As long as we pet- throw it to each other, it's fine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's been a blast, Forrest. I'll call you tomorrow. We'll make plans for camping, social distancing, camping. It's going to be Perfect. fun. The dogs will play and they touch. Will love it. 
will. But we won't get it from them. And so will Pat and Forrest play and touch. I'll report back with results and pictures in the the next (laughs) week or two. Thank you, everybody. See ya. Love you guys. Good night. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Good night. Wild times. Yeah.